0: series called The Armor of God, and what we've been talking about are these things that God has provided for us to get through life. Because as you know, uh, it doesn't matter how spiritual you are, it doesn't matter how old or how young you are, life happens. And uh, uh, oftentimes we feel like we're ill-prepared for whatever comes around the corner, and we don't know what's coming around the corner. We just never know. You can prepare as much as you want. I've known people who have saved lots and lots of money. They're all ready for retirement, and something changes. I've had people prepare for all sorts of things, for a career, and something changes. I've had people prepare for children, and then something changes. And so what this series is about are the different things that we have available to us in order to get through those times, and the Bible calls them the armor of God. And so what Paul is doing is he's writing a Letter to a church in Ephesus that is very much like ours. Uh, They're dealing with culture, they're dealing with other religions, they're dealing with all sorts of stuff, they're dealing with a little bit of nonsense in the church. Thankfully, we don't have to deal with that, but other churches I've heard do, and so we'll we'll pray for them. But uh, this is what's been going on. And so Paul writes this letter with just incredible instruction, and then he says, finally, uh, to end the letter, finally, and then what he does with the armor of God is he kind of sums up everything he had been talking about prior to that so uh, we'll read it we've been reading through this section of scripture every time and I I just want to tell tell you two things real quick one uh, we're skipping an armor and you're like oh no what am I going to do about the gospel? Like, we'll, we'll come back to it next week, okay? So don't freak out. Uh, we're, not, we're not cheating the Bible or reading from some other thing. We'll read it this morning, but we'll discuss it next week. The second thing is we're going to be talking about faith this morning, which is a giant topic. So we're going to be, again, like last week, all over the Bible, trying to just distill this giant topic that could be six weeks into uh, one A four-hour sermon. Okay, so here we go. Finally, uh, let me see, I got them right here. Finally, be strong in the Lord and and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. So all the different pieces that we're talking about, we put them on. We have access to them. So that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the ruler's against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Uh, Oh, sorry about that. Yep. So put on the full armor of God. Sorry, I have this thing. So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after having done everything, to stand. He goes on again. Stand firm then. Okay, so you're ready to do battle. You're ready for whatever is to come. And here's Here are the armor. We talked about the belt of truth buckled around your waist. We said it all starts with truth. If you don't have truth, your pants fall down is what we said uh, that first week. You'll get all tied up in all sorts of nonsense. You want to gird yourself up in that truth and uh, make sure that you can run and dodge and get out of the way. With the breastplate of righteousness in place. We talked about this last week. That we go everywhere with our breastplate on. We don't take our righteousness off. When it gets hot and it gets difficult to do the right thing, we keep it on. When it gets uncomfortable to do the right thing, we keep it on. It actually saves our life. It protects our vital organs. And then uh, next week we'll talk about your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And this morning, we're going to talk about this. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith. Now, if you've been following along, the first three items, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, and uh, our feet shod with the readiness of the gospel of peace, those are all things we wear at all times. You don't take your shoes off. None of these soldiers that he's talking about would take their shoes off and walk around town. They wouldn't take their belt off. That those all stay on. You put them all on. Your breastplate of righteousness, if you're in law enforcement and you go out to lunch, you, keep, you don't take your, vet, your bulletproof vest off or your body armor and like lay it on, on the side of the table. You, that's always on. All that stuff is on. So if you're a student of the Bible or you're watching, you'll notice that this says, take up the shield of faith. Take it up. In other words, you don't have to have it on all the time walking around. This is when you are preparing for battle. This is when you know something has come up, something is going on, something's in the future, something's right now, and you pick that thing up. You take it up. Take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish. All the flaming arrows of the evil one. Isn't that great language? Aren't you excited this week to dodge flaming arrows? (laughs) Well, you have armor for that, okay? So let's just start out. I'm going to ask a series of questions and answer them throughout this sermon. And as I told you, we're going to be all over the Bible because uh, this word, pistis, which is faith, is referenced 240 times in the New Testament. So rather than read all 240 verses, uh, I thought I would dis- you would trust me to distill them down to just several questions that get answered. So the first question is this, what is faith? You know, you, you, you've, heard, you've heard so many terms that that's used, and it's almost like, what is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Okay, sorry. <laughs> but that just came to me. That is the saddest. Your pastor is one of the saddest men on the planet, right? So you you, you know, what, what, like what is that? That could be you know I love pizza, I love my wife, I love you know uh, and the NFL, what, whatever it is, right? So what, what is that? So what is what is faith? You know well if we're going to go with songs, you got George Michael, right? You got to have faith, right? So you got that. Uh, you you go with uh, you know I really have faith that Congress is going to be smart. Well, <laughs> I, I I apologize. Uh, so uh, like you have all these different like the what what is that? I have I have faith that when I touch this, there's going to be something. A touch all these different things. Well, the Bible, fortunately, has one verse that just defines faith, and it's in Hebrews chapter eleven, right before he talks about a whole bunch of people who exercise their faith. What is faith? Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, and the conviction of things not seen. That's faith. In other words, you ha- you can't see it, but you know. That you can trust it. If, it. if you act on something, you know it's going to turn out okay. It's the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. I, am, I have faith in Jesus Christ. I cannot see him, and I hope for his return. But my whole life is based on that faith, on that This okay? All right, so th- it's very simple. That's, that's faith. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Well, how do you, how do you get it then? How, how do you get faith? How, how do you obtain it? Well, that's very simple too. There, there's two ways, and it's like when we talked about righteousness. Again, I don't want to get too deep in the weeds because we don't have much time. Remember last week when I talked to us about righteousness, I said there's imputed righteousness. That's righteousness you get when you start following Jesus, okay? It's kind of like when you're adopted into a family. Like let's say we adopt someone into the Rittenhouse family. We've imputed that name. They are now a Rittenhouse. They are part of our family. That's what happens when we start following Jesus. When we we confess our sins, we say, I'm done with my past life. This is the family of God I want to belong to. I want to be a follower of Jesus. We get imputed righteousness. He says, you are my kid, okay? And then there's righteousness that we act upon, doing the right thing, right? Same with faith. We get this imputed faith. Watch. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. And so we hear the gospel. We say, you know what? That's what I'm going to base my life on. And then we have faith. We have this pistis, okay? Romans 12, 3 goes on more to say, for, though, for through the grace given me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. Don't think you're that great. But think as to have a sound judgment as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. I mean, in other words, don't think you're that great just because you, you're a little farther along than anyone. God gave you that faith to begin with. You didn't just come up with it, okay? God gave it to you. So we get our faith through belief in Jesus Christ and belief that he is king of our lives, okay? All right. Now, now we're getting to the good stuff. What does it look like? What is faith Look like Because in the Christian church, there's all sorts of slogans and little phrases you'll hear from people about faith. Some people will say, I shared my faith. Some people will say, well, you just, you just have to believe. You have to have faith. If you have enough faith, you could move a mountain. Well, we're going to cover all of that this morning. What does faith look like? When I was uh, a little kid, my brother is seven years older than me, okay? So just do the math. When I was seven, he was 14. So you can imagine a little seven-year-old boy in the house and a 14-year-old boy in the house. You can imagine the trauma that the seven-year-old boy would go through having a 14-year-old brother. Well, our house was no different. Uh, When I was about nine years old, my brother gave me a ping-pong paddle. And he said, Johnny, I got, a, I got a game. He called me Johnny. There's like four people on the planet that call me Johnny. None are in this room. Okay. <clears throat> One of them's teaching the kids uh, children's ministry. She can call me whatever she wants. Uh, so he gave me this ping pong paddle. He said, we're going to play a game. You're going to hold the ping pong paddle, okay, and I'm going to stand across the living room, and I'm going to throw darts at you. <laughs> It'll be super fun, he said, okay. And uh, so he had these darts, and he said, all you have to do is block the darts with the ping pong pad. Now, when you're nine years old and your 16-year-old brother at that point says, we have a game, it doesn't occur to you, just don't play the game. (laughs) Just say, I don't like that game. I'm going to tell mom and dad about the game. I'm going to exit the room. No, I was like, oh, no okay i guess we're going to play this game and i better really use my paddle when you throw these darts at me and so he starts throwing darts and i would use my paddle to block the darts or attempt to block the darts so uh, by the way at this point he can be tried as an adult okay i just want to be clear he's 16 years old i'm nine okay so anyway He's throwing these darts at me, and I get get some of them, other ones I get. And then finally, I thought to myself, I got to quit this game. Like, there's no other, like, I'm not winning, and how do I win? The only way I win is to not get stabbed. That is exactly how a lot of people I'm around think their faith works. If I don't use my faith right, I'm going to get stabbed by a fiery dart of the devil. And I have to get good at using my faith. I gotta get quick. I gotta get fast. I gotta learn things that I, you know, get really good at it. And when I get good at using it, I'll be a good Christian. That's not at all the metaphor Paul is using. We say, I have to increase my faith. So now I got this big paddle. Go ahead and throw whatever you want. I just I just make little minor adjustments and I'm covered, right? This is not. The shield of faith Paul is talking about. Let me show you the shield of faith Paul is talking about because I made one this week with my bare hands. All right. This is the shield of faith, it's about two and a half feet wide and four feet long. Well, It's exactly two and a half feet wide and four feet long, but but historians, almost all of them, agree that it would be something like this. It would be relatively light. There'd be a sheet of uh, wood behind. There'd be a thin sheet of metal in between, and it would be wrapped in leather. Now, don't send me any leather, uh, any letters. This is not. No cows were killed. This is all stitched up cat hide, and. Um, <laughs> I have been waiting all week for that one, all week, all week. No, I got this at Joanne's. It's fake, okay? There we go. All right. So it would be this, this leather that it would be wrapped in, and they would soak it in water so that it would soak up all the water so that when they encountered the enemy, which would have these arrows that would be dipped in pitch that would be lit, and they'd shoot them up when they hit. The, as, the, as the tar or the pitch would spread out, it would be uh, put out by the, uh, the water, okay? This is your shield of faith, okay? When they say increase your shield of faith, increase your faith, it doesn't mean make the shield bigger. It means learn how to use it better, okay? And so this is now your shield of faith. So when you think about the, taking up the shield of faith, You're you're sitting there, and all of a sudden, you get some news. There's a battle or something that's going to happen, or all of a sudden, you get a pink slip at work or whatever, and you say, oh, snap, I'm going to take this up. I'm going to take this up because we're ready to go to battle. That's what a shield of faith is, okay? So, faith is about your motions, not your emotions, Faith is about what you do, not what you think. You don't muster up faith for something. You don't say, oh, man, I might, I might lose my job. I'm just going to come up. It's like there's no faith o okay? And you're like, you know, God doesn't come in, and he's watching somebody praying. You know, he looks in the window, and he looks, and he says, oh, they have little faith. That's just little. Then he looks over at this person praying. Oh, they've got lots of faith. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work with them. We don't muster it up. It's not how we feel. Now, we're going to talk a little bit about what if I feel like I don't have faith. We'll, we'll discuss that. But it's not about that. It's about your emotions, about what you do. You take this and you do stuff with it. You don't just sit there and go, oh, I, oh, I just want to have enough faith to get through to the day. I just want to have enough faith. Oh, the economy. Oh, the economy, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm just going to have faith that it'll all turn out all right. It doesn't work that way. Now, let's talk about that. Say, John, where do you get that from? I get, it from Jane, I get it from many different verses, but the one I found that kind of sums it all up. He's talking about faith and works, and he's like, man, you can't tell me you have faith if you see someone that needs food and you don't help them out. You can't tell me you have faith if you see someone in need and you just walk right by. That's not, that's not the way it works. I have, I have faith that it'll turn all out for you. That'll be good. That's not, that's not faith. He says, even so, faith, if it has no works, it's dead. You might as well not even take it out. If your faith has no action, no umph, no gumption behind it, right? And we'll talk about that in a second. But someone will say, well, you have faith and I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I'll show you my faith by my deeds. Okay? You see where this is going? You don't just have a lot of faith. You do a lot of faithful things. You do things with your faith. Show me your faith without deeds, and I'll show you my faith by my deeds. Now, who did Jesus say lacked faith? Because if, you, if you're a student of the Bible and you go through, and we're just going to stick with Jesus for right now because we don't have time to go through all the other verses. We're just going to look at Jesus. You hear Jesus say, oh, ye of little faith. You know, if you listen to the, you know, King James Version or whatever, or, are you a little faith or why did you doubt or all these different things? Well, who, who were those types of people? What, what was going on there? Were they, were they non-Christians? Were they Christians that just didn't muster up enough belief? They just got to believe harder. If you believe harder, it'll work. Well, who did he say? Well, anxious people, anxious people, he said, you have little, a little bit of faith. He says, uh, um, ha, has being anxious done anything for you, essentially? I'm, I'm paraphrasing. Has it done anything? Has it added anything to your life? Has it advanced you in any way? Has it added a cubit of, of life to your lifespan, being anxious? No, he says, look at the birds of the air. Look at the flowers of the field. Solomon, and his, all his glory haven't haven't looked like that and they just fade and they're gone ye of little faith you of little faith anxious people who just sit around wringing their hands that's not taking up the shield of faith that's not that's not it That, that those people have little faith fearful people Jesus is out on the water and everybody's in the boat and Jesus is taking a nap, which is just fantastic. And it's all going crazy and they're just like, they have no idea. Oh, it's all, because it is, it's all out of their control. And Jesus wakes up and like, I don't know how he did it, but he's just like calms the waves and the winds and he turns to him and goes, What? You guys okay? You of little faith? Like all you were doing was just jumping around, being fearful? I see Christians all the time. All they do is jump around and be fearful. They send me YouTube clips of what's happening and all this kind of stuff and that's that's not faith. That's not faith. Fearful people, they have little faith. Doubtful people have little faith. Poor 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 Peter, he has enough faith to walk on the water and he, and his faith is working. That's the way faith works. Risk And he's out there risking it, and then he begins to doubt, and he sees the waves, and he takes his focus off of Jesus, the author and perfecter of his faith, and he looks at the waves, and he begins to sink. And Jesus says, why did you doubt? You had it, man. You were using your shield of faith. It was working. And then you put it down. Pragmatic people, this is me. This is where I lose my faith, okay? This is where I do not exercise my faith. I want human solutions to every problem I have. I want a solution. Today, when I go into a board meeting for church, it's like, how do we solve our problems? And someone will be like, why don't we pray? I'm like, that is a good idea, but let's have an alternate idea, right? <laughs> this is my problem. I don't take up my shield of faith because I, I, would, I just want a human answer. Like, how do we solve this problem? Well, Jesus would say, you of little faith, John. Pastor John. He'd, he'd emphasize it just to make me think you. you know, he'd be upset, right? Consumers. Jesus went all throughout these towns, and there would be some towns where they just wanted to see him do stuff. And he goes, and it says, he did no miracles in there because of their lack of faith. They wanted to see miracles. They wanted to see him move, but they weren't willing to risk anything. They just wanted it to happen. I'm just gonna pray and just muster up enough faith that something would happen. You of little faith. It's not how it works. Okay well, who did Jesus say had great faith? That that must be good. I summed it all up with uh, two Greek words that I translated into English, and over uh, 57 different verses, and the Old Testament, and the New Testament, and 17 scholars, and here it is, risky people. Every single time, Jesus said, I've never seen faith like this. Your faith has healed you. Oh my goodness, this is the greatest faith in the world. It was someone who took up their shield and they advanced with it. See, the shield of faith is not a defensive piece of armor. It defends you, it protects you while you advance. The expectation When you take up your shield of faith is that you will be advancing, not sitting back, cowering behind it. This is not how you use your shield of faith. You use it by marching forward. Every single person, Jesus said, I've never seen faith like that. They were risking and they were moving forward. That's what the shield of faith is designed for. Let me show you just in case you're questioning my scholarly goodness. The centurion, this guy, he actually was wearing all this armor, okay? And he shows up to Jesus, who's a Jew and, and poor and an outcast, but he takes this risk. This, this guy who, who runs parts of the army comes up and finds Jesus and says, hey, can you heal my slave? Can you heal my servant? And Jesus says, yeah, I'll go. let's go to your house. And he goes, no, 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 you don't have to go to my house. You just say the word. You go ahead. He went in front of all these other Jews, probably dressed in all his stuff, and requested something from Jesus. That is so risky. That is, he's risking his job, his reputation. And Jesus says this, I've never seen anyone with faith like this. Two, the bleeding woman. We can come up with another term. That's just what we've called her throughout history. We should just say a, per- a woman with uh, an ailment, right? But they go through describing her issues, and it's just a mess. Just And, and she's unclean, and, and she's been outcast, and she spent all her money. She's got three things going against her. She's poor, she's a woman, and she's unclean. And she sneaks through all the crowds and goes, I just want to touch the hem of his garment. She takes up her shield of faith and she pushes through everybody and she just, bam. And he says, who, who touched me? And she's like scared. Oh, well, if I, if I have faith, I shouldn't be scared. <laughs> you're not advancing enough, okay? If you're not scared, you don't have faith, okay? You're not, well, you might have it, but you ain't using it. Okay, the believer, and she touched him and she said, he says, your faith healed you. Go, we'll go quickly. One of the blind men, he, he healed uh, or 10 lepers. I shouldn't have put blind men. I was going to change that. It's lepers. 10 lepers. He sends them all the way to the priest. One comes back and thanks him, which was incredibly risky again. And Jesus says, your faith heals you. He goes all the way to the priest, gets, t- gets inspected, comes all the way back. Two blind men. They start yelling out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us, right? Jesus everyone's like, be quiet, be quiet, be quiet. They don't care. They don't care about what anyone around them's saying. And they just keep talking. And Jesus says, your faith healed them. Did they have faith? Were they just sitting there going like this? Lord, I know you can do all things. I'm a silent prayer. No. They were yelling out. It was risky. The Canaanite woman, this, she is so awesome. So this Canaanite, she was unclean too. And she's walking down the road. And Jesus, so think about Jesus. He's with 12 other dudes. And she's a woman by herself. They're walking on the road. And she's like, hey, Jesus. Hey, Jesus. And the Bible says Jesus didn't talk to her. Jesus like, was pretending like she wasn't there. This, Jesus is so cool, right? I could almost see him just like, her behind him and him just walking like with this like little smirk on his face. And just going, let's see, let's, see how much, let's see how important this is. Let's see what she does. She just kept talking. So finally, they tell her, hey, tell her to be quiet. And he turns around. And he says, hey, sorry, I can't, but we're really busy. I got to go to the lost sheep of Israel, whatever. And she, she starts arguing with him. Well, don't, don't the dogs get the scraps from the table? I'm like, you, can, you just heal my daughter. That's all, that's all I need you to do. And they go back and forth. And he goes, you know what? Your faith has healed your daughter. All she did was risk and kept risking. That's all she did. Then finally, the blind, oh, the blind beggar, I don't have time to get into it, and the leper. Just trust me. These people risk. Anytime you see someone blind, a woman, someone with ailments, they were all outcasts. So the fact that they'd even make themselves vulnerable to Jesus is a risk. And each time Jesus says, your faith, your faith, your faith, your faith. Watch this. Remember what the definition of faith is? Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. This is in Hebrews chapter 11. It tees up what comes out through the whole chapter, which is everyone, every example of someone who exercised faith. Not one place does it say, and they prayed really hard. Not one place. It's all about action verbs. Okay, a verb, right? It's a doing word. You got verbs. You got adjectives, right? We don't care so much about pronouns anymore, but verbs are used to be like a really big thing, okay? So, so faith is the assurance of things hoped for. And then he just goes on and starts describing, okay? Watch these verbs. That's what they did. That's how they showed their faith. They obeyed God, they were outcasts, they received, they welcomed, they blessed, they spoke up, they disobeyed man, they confronted, like it just goes through the whole thing. If you want a copy of this, you can take a picture, or I will send you uh, the the list. Again, faith is about your motions, not your emotions. The reason you build up faith, the reason you have more faith, is because you exercise your faith. If I go to the gym, and do I have leg muscles? Yeah, I got them. If I don't exercise them, I'm just telling you, I skip leg day every time, okay? So, we'll just be be clear. I saw a joke the other day that said, uh, only one more leg day to 2024, okay? That's just a joke. For those of you who go to the gym, you'll get it, okay? So, this is it. We exercise it. We do. We risk. We take up. We take it up and we advance, okay. If you need, if you're just staying there and you need protection, build a wall. Don't carry a shield. You won't go anywhere, but you'll be protected for a while, okay. Let's ask, answer this question. What if I don't feel like I have any faith? What if I feel like I have no faith? What? I'm just sitting here like, John, I like all that stuff, I I don't, even, I don't even know where to start. I don't even think I, can, I have faith to open my Bible in the morning. I, I just don't know where to start. Remember I told you, faith is not about your emotions. It's about motion. But, 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 a lot of it does start with kind of like how we feel. So what if we don't feel like we have faith? Here's your answer. Surround yourself with people who do. Surround yourself with people who do. As a matter of fact, one time... Jesus, uh, when he was talking about faith, he, he, was, he was in, a, he was in a, uh, 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 somebody's house, and he um, uh, was preaching, and there's Pharisees everywhere, because they always have to come in and get the good seats, you know, whatever, and so uh, somebody starts putting a hole through the roof, and they lower this paralyzed guy down, so he's just like lying there. It's like, hey, Jesus, how you doing? Uh, this isn't my fault, those guys up there. I, I can't move, so you know it wasn't me, right? So he's there, and, and, and um, here's what it says. This is phenomenal. Listen to this. When Jesus saw their faith, the paralyzed guy's faith? No, their faith. In other words, all this guy had to do to be healed was be surrounded by people who would exercise and move forward in their faith. And that got him healed. You don't feel like you have faith. You feel like you have small faith. You don't surround yourself with people who have faith. That's why we're here Sunday morning. That's why we do men's group Tuesday nights. That's why we do women's group. Let me show you what this looks like because this shield wasn't just to be carried by yourself. It was actually used to do what they call a testudo or tortoise formation. And I happen to have a video of it. There's no sound mark, so you don't have to worry about it. Everyone can get it just by watching. All right. But this is what it looked like. This is just a demonstration. I had another really good example, but it was from Gladiator. And I couldn't find an appropriate section to show it at church because it, 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 it's not a Christian film. Just so we're clear. Okay. All right. So this is what it looks like, if that shows. So they put their hand on each other's shoulder to get spacing. This is why we greet each other in the morning. <laughs> just That's the church, y'all. Right there. That's the church. But they don't just stand there. They begin to move. Look at that. Now, let's say this guy right here is just really lame. He's like the worst warrior in the world. Like he's just he just got up this morning. He didn't even want to go to church. He was just like, I don't even know if I believe the Bible. Right? Does it matter? No, it doesn't. So what would happen is you would take this and you would sit there and you're like, I'm scared. I don't know what to do, whatever. And there's a brother or a sister right next to you interlocking with you. And th- when those fiery darts come, because they come from, remember, this is for advancing. This isn't to just sit around and be protected. You move forward, and as you move forward, those fiery darts are being shot at you, because you're the one who's advancing upon the gates of hell. The gates of hell just stay there. Our job is to advance against it, and they can't stand, Jesus said. The church that's acting in faith each doing its own job. Well, how do I get more faith? And this is the one that just, I don't like this verse. I don't like anything about it. Um, But it's Jesus, so I guess I have to preach it. How do you increase your faith? How do I get more of it? How do I know how to use it? How How do I advance a little bit more tomorrow than I did the day before? Well, fortunately, the disciples asked Jesus this. As a matter of fact, they didn't ask him a question. They 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 told him to do something, and basically, here's what happens. The apostles said to the Lord, "Increase our faith." Right? That's a lot of us. I increase. Our, I, I want to be. I want to be better. I want to do better. I want to do all these things. Right? He, okay. Now watch this. You got to pay attention. He replied, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea and it will obey you. And so when we pray, we go, Lord, even if we have faith of a mustard seed, we pray for the cancer to be healed. And that's great. That is a great prayer. Totally appropriate. All we do here is pray for people about ailments and things like that. And that is a portion of faith. But watch what Jesus says after this. And I, when I say after it, I don't mean a chapter later, of uh, 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 two verses later. The very next thing he says, remember what they said, increase our faith. And he, he says, well, if you had just a little bit of it, you could do a whole bunch of stuff. And they go, oh, cool, thanks. What does that mean? That doesn't answer the question. But this next one does. Watch. Suppose one of you has a servant plowing or looking after the sheep. So let's set the context. Jesus is talking to them and basically places them in uh, 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 that you're the master and you've got a servant. Okay? Will he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, come along now, sit down and eat. So he's saying, let's say LeBron James comes home. LeBron James, I would imagine, has a chef. Has uh, people working, you know, uh, landscaping. He's got all these people serving his family, nanny, all this kind of stuff. Does he come home, sit down, and tell all of his servants, hey, we're going to have dinner now. Come, come and sit with us, okay? I'm trying to do the best I can to give you context. Will he say to his servant, come along and eat? No. Won't he rather say, prepare my supper? <laughs> Chef, that's what I'm paying you to do. Uh, set the table. Whoever sets the table... Uh, make sure the house looks good. Whoever does that. While I eat and drink. And then you can go eat and drink. I mean, there's, there's servants' quarters, I'm sure, or whatever it is. Like, that's the way it happens. Jesus says, look, if you have servants, isn't that the way it works? Okay. Here's the super brutal part. Will he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? The answer is no. He doesn't like, every time... He gets dinner made for him by the chef. He doesn't write a thank you note to the chef. Thank you so much for dropping off that casserole. That's not how it works. Okay. So you also. Okay. Now now you're the servant. So you also, when you've done everything you were told to do, should say this. We are unworthy servants. We've only done our duty. If I want my faith to increase, I have to stop doing the minimum. That's what the breastplate of righteousness is for. Just do the right thing. I've done the right thing. I've done the right thing. Okay, now pick up your shield and move forward. Start risking. Whatever you believe in, whatever, whoever you say you are, be that and more. Let me give you an example. This one's a brutal one, so cover your ears. I hear all the time people say, uh, um, oh, God, you know God is great. God provides. I mean, if, don't raise your hand, please, because it's going to be bad after this. If I were to say, "Who believes God is going to take care of them?" Every, everybody would raise their hand. Now, some of you might be honest, or you might go, "You know what? I, I really don't know now, or I'm new to the Bible." Um, or, or I can't believe you said cat skin sewn together. Like, you're still thinking about that, right? But, it, but most of the time, everyone says, yeah, God provides." Who, 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 who provides for you? God provides for me. Then why don't you tithe? It's really simple. It's 10% of your money. All of it was given to you by God. It's, this, it's the easiest way to get out of, like, the, being just obsessed with finances. If you talk to anyone who tithes, they'll all tell you the same thing. I'm so glad I did. Like that would, be your, that would be, you want to increase your faith? Start doing stuff you weren't doing before. You say, oh, okay, John, you, now you're talking about money. I'm feeling really uncomfortable. Why are you feeling uncomfortable? It's in the Bible. You're at church. It's no big deal. It's no big deal. I'm not begging you. I'm not asking you to give me your, all, you know, hand over your credit cards. You know, I'm not doing any of that. You're uncomfortable because there's this disparity between what you say you believe and what you believe actually believe. This is why when I talk to people and they go, Pastor, I just want to share my faith. I want to say, don't share your faith because you don't have any. You don't have any actions that, that move, advance forward. You just have beliefs that you, you have information. If I go to the gym as the worship band returns, everyone's like, phew, the worship band's <laughs> returning. Come save us. If I go to the gym and I see the most unhealthy person, do I go up to them and say, hey, can you share me every, everything you know about the ab machine? Well, the ab machine was invented in 1942. No, I go to the person, the man or woman with awesome abs, not the woman with awesome abs, that would be creepy. If I go to the man with awesome abs and I go, what did you do? What do you do? When you share your faith, you're not sharing information. You're sharing your transformation. You're sharing, oh my gosh, when I started giving, this is what happened, but I made it through that. When I started really loving my spouse and laying down my life, when I started serving, when I started sacrificing, oh man, but look at all the ground I made up. That is your shield of faith. It's to advance, to be protected while you advance. It's not to sit around and wait for fiery darts. Now, whoo! what's your next step? All right. Your next step's easy. And your next step is uh, all wrapped up in what we're going to do next. We're just going to take a few minutes to have communion. Because the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus... It's all about unwilling to back down, step after step after step after step. Was he scared? Father, if you could get this cup to pass. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. Sweating blood. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. Okay. Picks it up. Let's go. And he takes his steps. And it got him killed. And it got most of the people on that list doing all those verbs, got them killed too. And so what communion is, is just a reminder to us that it can be done, that these risks we take that we know for a fact God is asking us to make, we know it, we feel it, and we're scared. We say, I just want more faith. It doesn't work that way. You pick up the faith and you walk forward. And then you look back and go, he was faithful, he was faithful. He's faithful. He's faithful. And so uh, we have an open table, which means anyone who wants to participate in communion can. You can walk up, grab the uh, wafer and the juice. And basically, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, like the night he died, he He took the bread and he broke it, blessed it. He said, this is my body, which has been broken for you. Whenever you take and eat of it, remember me. Remember the step after step after step after step. In The same way he took the wine and he blessed that. He said, this is my blood, which has been poured out for the remission of sins. Whenever you take and drink of this, remember. Remember, it can be done. Remember my example. Remember to risk. And so you can come and take it. Uh, Some people will kneel at the stage here and others will just take it back to their chairs and have it there. So we'll do that and then I'll come up and bless us. Remember what I said, the next thing is easy, what you're supposed to do, what we're gonna do this night. At 12... Hebrews 12, after he says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen, then goes through all those people. It says, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, like all those people as examples, we just lay aside our sin. We lay inside every encumbrance. Listen, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our peaceness, of our faith. So that's what we do now. We just fix our eyes on Jesus. We listen. We tell him we're scared. We tell him whatever we need to so that we can move forward this week. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for all the ways you watch over us and love us. Thank you for allowing us a life, adventure, and risk in you. In Jesus' name. Why don't we go ahead and stand for the blessing? know this week as I was going through the just the text and everything and my prayer was uh, that every single person that hears whether they're online or whether they listen a year from now that we have it on our website or whatever, that there would be this expectation of God's movement of just a step of faith a risk that God's asking you to do not to point attention to myself or anything, but having quit my career and stepped into ministry, which is probably the biggest risk I'd ever taken in my life for the Lord. And then looking back over all the risks Lisa and I have ever taken, I have never, ever, ever, ever regretted taking a risk that I felt like the Lord was calling me to take. Ever. It's cost me. It's cost me some friendships. It's cost me some... You know, miscommunication, all that kind of stuff. But it hasn't cost me any ground, my heavenly Father. And I thank you for that. So let me pray for us now. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, I pray you would go with his boldness, with his boldness, with his boldness. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.